Hi there, I'm Drew McKenna, and you're listening to Grafted Branches, a place where we talk about Jesus in the context of first century Israel, where and when he lived. With me is my wonderful and beautiful wife, Deborah. Hi, I would like to add my welcome to all of our listeners. Drew, I'm looking forward to the next few podcasts because we're going to look at some of Jesus' most famous encounters with the Pharisees. In our last podcast, we saw there were two main houses of Jewish teaching during the first century, the School of Hillel and the School of Shammai. Drew, would you give us a quick review? Okay. I think it's important to understand when Jesus is being tested by the Pharisees and scribes, they were checking out how he interpreted and taught Torah. Since the two major schools of that day were Hillel and Shammai, Knowing something about them really helps our understanding of what he was teaching. A simple summary is this. Hillel was known as a gentle, bearing, uh, insult type of person. He was lenient. He was wise. He was known for being flexible and compassionate as a judge. On the other hand, Shammai was of stern temperament. He cultivated the characteristics of firmness and strictness in the law and the traditional interpretations of how it was to be lived out. What is also important for our listeners to understand is these Pharisees were essentially the gatekeepers of Jewish faith and religion in Jesus' day. They took the roles of preserving, teaching, and protecting Israel very seriously. Because of this, whenever a new teacher or Messianic figure showed up, they often listened to, questioned, and observed how the teacher's disciples lived out those teachings, something they did often with Jesus and his disciples. Mm -hmm. And there are many subjects the Pharisees tested Jesus over. However, there is one, and it's probably the most visible and known by most of our listeners. This subject was Shabbat, or Sabbath. To this day, the one thing the whole world notices about the Jewish people is their observance of Shabbat every single week. Yes, Jesus was challenged many times on this subject, and it always came down to what was or what was not allowed to be done on the Sabbath. However, Drew, let's take our listeners back to the beginning and build a foundation about the Sabbath or Shabbat. You know, the origins and whys. What is the first mention of the Sabbath in the Bible? I think we all know it's in Genesis chapter 2, where it says, quote, By the seventh day God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. The word rest in Hebrew is Shabbat. However, it doesn't simply mean rest or rested. That would imply that it was only a break in the action, so to speak, and we might expect more to come. Shabbat literally means the activity referred to, in this case creation, has ceased or ended and is essentially complete. If our listeners do some digging uh, through translations, they may find they actually use a better word, and that word is cease instead of rest. I think what is really interesting is the number seven, Sheva or Shava, 
Its root also implies the end or completeness. Finally, the fourth commandment given by God to Israel was this, quote, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. God spoke directly to the people of Israel and told them to remember the cease day, the day he completed creation. I'm sure all, or at least many of our listeners have heard the saying, God works in mysterious ways. However, there's no mystery about why he makes his commandment. Israel, by ceasing from their creative work, remembers that it is God and God alone who created everything, including us. Not to wrap a trail too far off, but this reminds me of what Paul taught to his believers in Ephesus. For we are his workmanship, created in Messiah Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that we may walk in them. From the beginning, in creation itself, we, as in all humanity, were created to accomplish good works, and not bad works. When we follow God's instructions, as demonstrated and given through his Messiah, whom we know as Jesus, those things become good for us and for those around us. But maybe that's not really a rabbit trail at all. Why? Because the commandment to Israel is to cease working on the seventh day of the week, just like God did when creation was complete. Okay, so far this really doesn't seem so difficult. Work six, of the, work six days of the week, and on the seventh, don't work. And remember, God created everything. Why is this such a center of discussion and controversy for the Pharisees and Jesus? Okay, let me ask you and our listeners a question. Does life end every week on the Sabbath or seventh day? No, of course not. So what are you getting at? Each and every day... Every living thing in the world needs to have its basic needs met. We all need to eat. We all need to keep ourselves clean, tend to the sick among us, take care of emergencies, and so on. It just doesn't matter if it's Shabbat or not. Life doesn't come to a stop. And yet God gives this instruction to Israel. Quote, it is a sign between me and the sons of Israel forever. And he's talking about Shabbat, keeping it holy, by the way. Deborah, did you notice a rather strange irony, though, in this instruction about Shabbat? If you mean there's a contrast between the fact God ceased, as in completed and finished his creation, and now he's giving a never-ending instruction, yes, I noticed that. When some teach about God's instructions to Israel, it seems they often forget to include that forever clause in their teaching. When God says forever, I don't think there's any other way to interpret it. Forever means forever. Okay, we now know there are three important things about the Shabbat. First, God gave his instructions to Israel to follow forever. The main purpose is for them to remember it is God who created everything. All that we see and know, the creation did not create itself. And finally, just as God ceased his creative work, Israel is to cease all of its creative work on the seventh day of every week, forever. Yes, and here we are just halfway through our podcast, and we've only talked about the very basics of the instructions, which I believe gives us all a clue of the immensity of this single instruction. 
Now let's put this into understanding Shabbat in the context of Jesus' day in Israel. We know the basic tenet of Shabbat is Israel must cease to work on that day. As we pointed out, there are a whole bunch of things in life which still have to happen regardless of what day it is. Let's start with the most basic. Living things need to eat. And you know what? That brings us to our account where Jesus and his disciples are challenged by some Pharisees over eating. There's a story to be told in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It was the Shabbat, and Jesus and his disciples were walking through a field of grain, and being hungry, the disciples picked some and ate it. We are told some Pharisees saw this and confronted Jesus, saying, Look, your disciples do what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But wait, there's a problem here. We don't know what law or instruction the Pharisees were claiming was broken. It's important to note they were not harvesting the grain, because that is prohibited on the Sabbath. They were simply picking up what was left after the harvest and eating it. You know, there's a clue recorded for us in Luke 6, verse 1, that will help us better understand what is happening here. Most of our English translations read, quote, Now it came about on a certain Sabbath. But the Greek here actually says, quote, on the second Sabbath after the first. I think what I find interesting is only the King James Version translates it this way. What does this tell us? It tells us what time of year it was. It's about May or June during the wheat harvest of Shavuot. In the harvest leading up to Shavuot, God instructs the owners of the grain field to leave the corners of their fields unharvested for the needy and the alien. This can be found in Leviticus chapter 23. What most people don't realize is shepherds would come with their flocks to the fields and wait until after the harvest was finished in order to let the sheep eat whatever was left over. The rabbis directed the shepherds to keep their sheep out of the fields until the poor and aliens had a chance to glean the fields. Because of this, they decided to have the shepherds wait two Sabbaths after the harvest before the sheep could come in. The importance of making sure people were fed and the abundance of the harvest was shared. Another important point here is, in Luke's narrative of this encounter, it states, quote, Some Pharisees said it was not lawful. Knowing the position of the two houses of Pharisees, Hillel and Shammai, that'll shed some light on the objection and and who the some are in this narrative. In our previous podcast, we discussed that generally the house or school of Hillel was more merciful and lenient than the stricter house or school of Shammai. Since those who followed Shammai tended to be stricter and more restrictive in their interpretation of God's instructions, the Torah, it appears that some Pharisees mentioned here are most likely the stricter followers of Shammai. So at this point, we need to ask ourselves, Why did these particular Pharisees find it unlawful to pick and eat grain on Shabbat? Truthfully, the answer lies in a more complex explanation than we have time for, so I'll simplify it. Here's the answer in one word, tithing. 
Of course, some of our listeners are probably saying this. There's no mention of tithing anywhere in this narrative. So what does that have to do with the whole story? And this is where knowing the historic context of the situation will clarify what Jesus teaches through it. Essentially, the stricter house of Shammai said that before the grain could be eaten, one had to tithe from it. Getting a little hungry on Shabbat was not an excuse to violate this interpretation of the Torah. Therefore, picking and eating was prohibited to Shammai. The more lenient and compassionate house of Hallel said it was okay to eat it and the tithe could be given after the Sabbath was over. So it's highly likely these Pharisees were taught by Shammai and believed what Jesus' disciples were doing, picking and eating, was prohibited until they tithed. Since it was Shabbat, they had to wait until the next day to give their tithes and therefore could not eat the grain. So these Pharisees challenged the disciples of Jesus about their actions. They clearly understood true disciples of a rabbi were living examples of what he taught. Something we all need to remember. If Jesus is our Lord, we should be a reflection of his teachings, just like his disciples were on that day. And as usual, Jesus is being tested or challenged about his interpretations of how to live out God's instructions. You pointed out these Pharisees are challenging the teacher over what he's teaching. I almost get the impression they think they may have the upper hand here and have found a chink in his armor. What is interesting is Jesus' response by giving these Pharisees a lesson on how to correctly interpret the Torah. Can you tell our listeners the example he uses to make this point? Sure. First of all, he points out how King David and the men with him, when they were hungry, they ate the bread which was set aside for the priest to eat. Wow. Jesus is creating a word picture here. He's making a comparison of himself and his disciples to David and his men. That's big, because David's lineage is the line of the Messiah. Jesus then points out when priests are serving their time in the temple, this requires them to work on Shabbat. You know, this helps us to comprehend what Jesus is alluding to. It has to be understood that rabbis weigh the laws... So in a situation where two laws conflict with each other, the weightier or the greater one took precedence, something Jesus fully applies in all of his teachings. Like the example of the priests working in the temple during the Shabbat, many of the rabbinic debates focused on how to prioritize the laws when these situations arise. The rabbis recognized the importance that Torah places on human life. In Deuteronomy 30, it clearly states the law was given in order to bring life. Jesus goes on to tell them, quote, Something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. Jesus is pointing out that the issue of showing compassion to people in need is greater than the laws regarding tithing on the Sabbath. And he appears to be siding with the school of Hillel regarding this issue. You know, I really like how Jesus finishes this teaching moment up with the reminder. Shabbat was made for man 
and not man for Shabbat. The Torah, Torah, and all its instructions was given to Israel to help them and not burden them. Many years after Jesus' resurrection, the rabbis taught this, quote, The Sabbath is handed over to you, and you are not handed over to the Sabbath. Sabbath or Shabbat was given as a gift to Israel. It belongs to them. They own it. It does not own them. God's instructions were never meant to be shackles of iron making prisoners of Israel. They are meant to bring life, and as Jesus said, life more abundantly. What an interesting thought. It doesn't own us. I wonder how many followers of Jesus think that way. Do we really understand that living in a way he has instructed us isn't a burden? It's a gift of abundant life. Oops, I see we're out of time for this podcast. I'm excited to continue our discussions of the two schools of the Pharisees, their encounters with Jesus, and how he brilliantly builds on the debates of his day. Okay, so to all of our listeners today, please go to our site. Visit our website at graftedbranches.org. That's graftedbranches.org. What you'll find there is some excellent resources to help you continue your studies on this topic and many more. But until next time, remember, learn what he taught and go live it. Go live it. it.